Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie Jean-Luc Picard Churchhouse and Nathan John Wayne Gacy Thomas. Oh my <laughs> <I'm> t- god! <laughs> Without you know further what? ado, let's engage! You know, I got that from Jean-Luc Picard. I was like, why would he be going, oh, I know where this is. <laughs> it's now becoming a fun game for the uh, the listeners to try and guess which serial killer I'm going to give. It. <laughs> yeah, what a fun game. What a fun game. Guess the serial killer. It'll be a family favourite in no time. Uh, when I applied to go on the quiz show Mastermind, they have you have to give four specialist subject options that they can choose from. And so my specialist subjects were um, Blackadder Series 1, Blackadder Series 2, Blackadder Series 3, and Serial Killers. <laughs> I think it's going to be imagine? fun for me week to week to like see if I know the serial killers or not, because I, I don't, you know, I don't really know that many serial killers, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I, I got John um... Wayne Gacy. I, d- I think I've I got about him. I got two passes, but an otherwise perfect round on a mastermind on Tolkien. Oh um, wow! The other day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the two passes were only because um, the coward of a of a contestant had insisted on the film, so they asked two questions about the production of the films. Whereas I would definitely do like Tolkien's books because that's what I studied. Uh, I uh, tried to do because so because I'm fun, cool, hip and relevant Um, one of my favourite things to do when I'm in the flat on my own is just to YouTube um, specialist subject rounds from Mastermind from the past of things that I like and then see if I know the answers (laughs) Have I told you about the you'd love this Jake, you would would absolutely be a a super fan of this, have I told you about the really intense Russian quiz, Anna likes No Right, so she like it's really popular for Russian universities to make teams for this and there to be national competitions, but it is a TV show, and the format of the TV show is sold um, is sold around the Russian speaking and Slavic world quite widely. Right. Basically, how it works is there's a team of four quiz experts, like geniuses, uh-huh. and they are all quizzed by the quizmaster, and they don't always get like they don't. They can't always confirm. Like, I don't fully know all the rules of all the rounds, but the basic is these four people could be asked any question on anything. Mm-hmm. So they've all got to revise together and, like, teach each other things. They can. There's a limited amount of being able to nominate, like, the expert in something. Yeah. But like they aren't competing for any money. The people competing for money are the question writers who are the audience. You write a question you think is going to screw over the team oh, that's quite good. and if your if your question goes unanswered you win money and the more and usually there's two teams competing um of these four people um so if both teams can't answer it you win a lot of money if one team can't answer you win some of the money uh-huh. um and anna competes in this at the like um you know in the national like hobby competition level and my girlfriend has never been more scary than when she's doing it. Like, I don't know if it's because she's speaking Russian and I can't understand it, but like, she, during the pandemic, she uh, did a couple over like Zoom with her old like Russian schoolmates and like, it's odd. That is, that is serious business. And there is a lot of shouting and there is a lot of like, like in my old flat, which was a little bit bigger than the one I'm in now, like, I, I literally had to go upstairs to, block out the sound of her like screaming answer <laughs> the computer. To be fair, I'm like that with tipping point. Uh, but, <laughs> I but bet like, you and Nathan if... would be the kind of people who'd be like proper annoying in one of them audiences because you'd just be sending in more and more questions like, well, actually, what's this like incredibly niche reference to the thing that no one's ever heard of? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Nathan would be doing. I would be doing questions like where did Jake Donaldson go on his holidays in 2008? And like, <laughs> there is a quality control um, thing. It has <laughs> well, to be like 
That is a question that has an actual answer. <laughs> that is definitely one thing yeah, that they like, there, can either get right or wrong. Standards to it. And here we have the two um, personality types. We have Nathan the analyst and Jake the <laughs> egotist. And that's how their questions <laughs> would be formulated. I don't actually like quizzes that much. Um, people people would think that I, I, I do, but like... I, just... I, I love a quiz. Quizzes are my favourite thing in the world. That's why I brought up that thing that I watched specialist subject rounds, right, to bring us back onto topic. I watched um, a Star Trek The Next Generation specialist subject round uh, to see how well I did, uh, and I got one point. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh right. I've got to try this. Do not tell us anything else. I've got to try this now, because although I don't like quizzes, I do like beating you at things. What are we competing <laughs> What's the prize of, like... Because like we, all, I'm not going to get. If it's TNG, I won't know shit. So don't care about that. But like, what's the prize? Yeah, but, you and... but Maddie, imagine if you get two. If... Imagine <laughs> what that will do to Jake if you get imagine two. Imagine if I get two. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll report it. back. We'll come back and we'll do it. We'll maybe record it live or something. But yeah. we'll, yeah. It, anyway, um, but well, you could of... ask the questions because you've done it once. Oh so yeah, I that's true. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Could... I'll do the quiz next. Next. Next week on the podcast, we will have a live quiz based on questions from no no cheating no no revising yes no revising come on i won't tell you the the anything about what the questions are going to be um but we'll do that next week but this week we are talking about an episode of star trek that i hadn't seen before and is now my favorite episode of star trek and it's ds9 and it's ds9 which is it's the first time i've enjoyed a ds9 episode it's uh, so it, fucking good. Oh my god. It is good. This is one of the best it, best I uh, yeah, sorry, carry on. It's the first time I've enjoyed a DS9 episode, which says a lot about DS9 considering most of this episode is a TOS episode. Um but it it is Trials and Tribulations Yay! from season 5 of DS9. It's the 30th anniversary Star Trek special that they did. Um and it's amazing and I love it. And I feel like I've said this 3 weeks in a row, but this is one of my favourite Star Trek episodes that I've ever seen, just hands down ever. Not even DS9, I just mean ever. This was yeah, yeah, yeah. so good that I actually think this was even better than Trouble with Tribbles. This made Trouble wow. with Tribbles better. That's how much I love it. Big, big words from Maddie Church. Big words there. from Maddie, the TOS fan. So there you go. <laughs> well, before we get too far into it, Nathan, would you like to describe the plot of this episode in a manner that doesn't just sound like we're repeating what we did in this section last week? <laughs> yes. That, I mean, it, it, it's slightly easier than you think because cause we watched it last week. I have glossed over a lot of the yes. flashbacks. I've just, I've just very quickly said them. Also, I'm really glad you two like it because I had this moment when I finished watching it today being like, oh, man, I remember why I really like this episode. It's <laughs> such a good episode. I can't wait to talk about how good it is. And then I was like, what if, what if they don't like it though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what if they don't like it? Um, <laughs> Anyway, I, I, ha- I have issues with it that we'll bring up later, oh, but I like Jay. it in general. <laughs> 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 All right, look, before we get into too many character assassinations of me, who I will remind you is the host of the podcast. Um, yeah, not for we... long, not for long when I get two <laughs> on the Mastermind TNG round. Yeah. That what's going to happen? Whoever wins. It? Whoever wins the quiz is going to take over the main hosting duty yeah. of the podcast. Okay, Nathan. Describe the plot of Trials and Tribulations for us, please. Okay, so the episode opens with temporal investigation agents appearing and being completely hum- humorless. They uh, are always on time. Yes, they appreciate the joke. Uh, they hate predestination paradoxes and they want to know why Cisco took the Defiant back in time. Cisco begins to explain uh, that some weeks ago he was contacted to bring back an orb. The Orb of Time, though he didn't know it at the um, time, uh, from Cardassia to Bajor. And on the way, they pick up Barry, a merchant trapped on Cardassia during the hostilities between Cardassia and the Klingons. He insults Mr. Worf, and Bashir and Miles comfort Worf about how he smells. Uh, The Defiant flies home under cloak. The crew are beginning to relax, trying to encourage Dax or the captain to continue with the... How Mr. Dwarf smells joke. When they experience a huge surge of chronoton radiation, the uh, Defiant is 200 light years out of position. There's a ship nearby. 
It's the Enterprise, the original one. The temporal agents are very annoyed to find out it's James T. Kirk's ship, not one of the six others. Um, 17 temporal violations to his name, he's got the longest file on record. Enterprise is orbiting Space Station K7. It also seems that Barry is actually on Darwin, a Klingon altered to look human, and he stunned the deputy guarding the orb, took the Defiant back. Odo explains the plot of the episode, and that Arn Darwin lost his career over it. Uh, Sisko needs to stop Darwin before he can alter history. He could be on the station or on the ship, so it's time to suit up in old uniforms. The crew discuss the difference between uniform colours, and as Dax points out, the women wore less. Dax and Sisko take one half of the Enterprise, Julian Miles the other, while dressed as civilians, Worf and Odo will go to the station. Miles struggles with getting the turbo lift to work and has to wait for a young ensign to show them how it works in this period. Uh, meanwhile, Dax and Sisko know how packed the smaller Enterprise is. Uh, Odo witnesses Chekhov and Uhura arrive. Odo realises that an older Arn Darwin ordered Rakticino and continues watching the bar. Miles is afraid to touch anything on the Enterprise. It's all patched together and cross-wired. Bashir notes that uh, some things don't change about Starfleet engineers. A uh, junior officer appears and asks why they're using a medical tricorder to repair a power coupling. Uh, they manage to cover themselves. This is a workplace stress study. Miles doesn't know anything about anything because he's too um, stressed. <laughs> we'll get him back to sick. Yeah. On the station, Odo and Worf reunite and Worf is alarmed to know Odo has a Tribble. Worf explains the history of Tribbles in the Klingon Empire. Tribbles were an ecological mess, so they were hunted by hundreds of brave warriors. An armada obliterated their home planet. Odo wonders if this is a glorious chapter in Klingon history. If there are great songs so sung about the extermination of these small, adorable creatures. Meanwhile, Red Alert sounds. Sisko tries to contact the Defiant and has to remember um, he needs a communicator, not a patch of cloth. Uh, Dax remembers who the Klingon commander is. Her past self met him. Uh, Dax is a little disappointed that Sisko won't let her meet him, though. Miles and Bashir look for a suitable turbo lift to beam out and go to the station. The same uh, young lady flirts with Bashir. Bashir realizes she has the same name as his great-grandmother. He could be his own great-grandfather. This could be a predestination paradox. O'Brien has absolutely no time for this nonsense. <laughs> and takes him safely to the station. Sisko and Dax notice uh, Kirk and Spock nearby and try to contain themselves. Dax finds Spock very attractive. So, uh, thus proving that in this episode, uh, she is the personification of Maddie. Uh, Dax is Ooh. trying to get Sisko enthused by the opportunity to meet James Kirk. Sisko would um, love to, but they have to stop him getting killed. Bashir and Miles tease Odo and Worf about their sitting around in a bar. Scotty and Chekhov walk in. Miles assumes it's Kirk. Uh, the waitress has to point out the Klingons to Odo and the others. Worf explains that it is a long story and refuses to discuss it. Meanwhile, Scotty and Chekhov are being antagonised by a Klingon. And uh, shortly thereafter, a bar fight starts, which Miles and Julian get involved in. The glory of a TOS era fighting is recreated and it is as long as ever. Odo spots the older Darwin, and he and Worf chase after him. Uh, the temporal officers are not amused and suggest that uh, there could be an alternate timeline. Sisko defends their actions and resumes the story, with Kirk demanding uh, that Miles tell him who started the fight. Miles and Chekhov both lie about who started the fight, and as uh, Miles and Bashir leave, Miles realises that he lied to Kirk. If only Keiko could see him. <laughs> They find a number of tribbles aboard the ship, though. Odo and Worf have managed to apprehend Darwin. He's rather too cocky, saying he will be a great hero. Allowing Odo to work out that uh, he's already set his plan in motion and that involves putting a bomb in a tribble. <laughs> Sisko and Dax need to get to the bridge of the Enterprise to use the internal sensors. Everyone else except Worf and Kira will have to manually scan everything. <laughs> on K7. On the bridge, Kirk uh, sits on Tribble and smiles at Dax. Sisko and Dax are able to use the internal sensors. The bomb is not aboard the ship. Dax implies he had romantic relations with McCoy in the past, uh, in a past life. On the station, O'Brien, Bashir, and Odo are searching the bar, manually searching everything is taking time. Dax suggests that Darwin must put the bomb near Kirk, somewhere he's going to be in the next half an hour. So if we start tailing him while Odo and the others continue their search. 
Cisco and Dax realize after hanging out in the rec room that the triple in question must be in a storage compartment. They break in and begin their search, picking up tricobalt signatures. Dax and Cisco began throwing safe triples down the chute and onto Kirk. Um, Cisco finds the dangerous triple, has the defiant lock on to the tricorder, beams the triple into space where it can explode safely, which it you know, promptly does. <laughs> uh, with their part done, history continues as expected. Major Kira knows how to get them home now, and Cisco admits that. Well, before we went home, we made one last stop. <laughs> uh, he goes to meet Captain Kirk, gives him the duty crosses, gets the chance to, you know, smile at him, imply handshaking. Uh, the temporal agents don't believe there is any serious harm done. They'll have to review the case, give a formal report, but uh, based on what he told him, there's nothing to worry about. However, it seems the constable wants to see everyone on the promenade. Odo brought Tribble back with him. They are now all over, said Promenade, piling up around Quark's bar. Seen as the agents didn't ask, Cisco elects not to correct the record, and the episode ends. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Such a good episode. So wonderful. Pure, pure just joy and And, and it's something I think, like, again, it's something that we don't... Like... Because you know how, like, a lot of modern cinema and TV is recreating, remastering, or doing sequels and prequels to media that has existed. None of them have used this technique. Instead, now we just resurrect dead actors and put CGI faces on everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, Which I know is this is kind of only the same thing, but it's like the era where you had the technology to do this and didn't have the technology to do the stuff we do now when we want to throw back to an old show or an old era was kind of short because I like as much as it looks goofy like there are obvious places where like like generally I think it's pretty good the imposing yeah, yeah. the modern actors onto onto the old footage but there are like moments where you're like like Arn Darbin older Arn Darbin in the background of the bar fight in particular looks really dumb I think there's a, um, there's a scene of like my when Kirk walks past Miles O'Brien it, it Miles looks fantastic O'Brien. but then but then his shot like in the shadow of Kirk's arm his face is just like a big gammon just like yeah it's just yeah there's a lot like um there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on and then like you know, and it works so well because they they made recreation sets as well as oh, compositing fantastic. people on. So they had stuff to yeah. fit, like stuff to film on, and the actors had a physical space that they could act to, so that when their images were being put in, they had you know, like you know, this is you know, obviously this kind of episode is fucking stunning because it. Um, because they had the money that comes with making a 30th anniversary of a TV show, like the yeah. studio was willing to give, like they even relaxed the rule. So that this is, I love this. Uh, the writer's room had a rule that you couldn't talk about being a fan, attending fan conventions or anything like that, even though a what? lot of writers of Star Trek, huh? well, because when they'd allowed that in early TNG, the writer's room got so bogged down in, like, random fan arguments <laughs> that it was impossible to progress anywhere. <laughs> like, you know, it became as bad as an episode of this podcast where you're like, no, what drives <laughs> don't work like that? And, and so on. So they were just like, right, you're not allowed to talk about that stuff. You've just got to write episodes of Star Trek as though you weren't mm-hmm. super interested. Like, you know, they weren't saying you can't like the show, but you... You had to have those discussions Keep outside. Yeah, that's understandable. But they relaxed that rule for this episode because they wanted all of that. Like, you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you'll find in the original series they work like this and you had to do this. And, like, that's where a lot of the, like, technology jokes, like, your flappers open and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like... And the, the whole bit about um, not being, like, not knowing how to work the old lifts, the turbo <laughs> lifts, where, like, you've got to hold the handle and this random woman comes in. And I'd like then, Cisco tapping his chest is really funny. I mean, <laughs> it's also he looks he just looks so dopey and it's like <laughs> you're supposed to be the captain of a, a of, of a giant space station in the 25th century or whatever and you've forgotten that you're not wearing a badge. Like, <laughs> you're... So good. So good. Oh, I think they they the the loyalty that they have to the original episode is wonderful because they use just particular choice scenes 
to to yeah. replay some of the favorite moments so that everyone gets a chance to shine you know like uhura comes has has that little moment with the triple you know scotty and koloff have that argument about the enterprise being hauled away as garbage but the, yeah the... and because they're not using the original actors because they're using archive yeah. footage they can include like like because a lot of like these time travel plots and things like that there's only like actual interaction with one person like you know yeah. on discovery because they can't show the full enterprise because they don't have like you know they've only recast spock you get spock and pike beaming over and then you don't see like mm-hmm. fuck all of the end mm-hmm. like you see the bridge maybe yeah. but you can't see any of the rest of whereas here they're like no we can go where we want wherever yeah. was in this yeah, episode yeah. we can go and they look great like they've done an excellent job with the costumes so in particular dax's hair and Julian's mm. hair both looked fantastic. Yes. Like Dax had her hair in this quite elaborate, like chignon slash beehive that that is very sort of TOSy, and um, and then Julian has his hair is like plastered with so much oil that it's glistening. And I'd always thought that that was something about maybe like old cameras or something that made people's hair really <laughs> shiny but no it just turns out that in the 60s everyone was so much hair gel so when they like slick <laughs> julian's hair back and I, it was like it's like glowing it's so oily oh it looks fantastic yeah. they've 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 really tried to to get the vibe right and the reconstructed yeah. sets look perfect and i don't know if they they filmed maybe on slightly different cameras but the the, the audio- yeah they did they 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 you they didn't do it massively because yes. obviously they didn't want to just make the episode look bad but there was some recreation of old filming techniques Fantastic. in the i mean they there's... they've knocked it out of the park it just the the, yeah. the fact that this was made in the 90s and like it actually still looks really good it it looks mm. good and the only thing that's jarring is the the audio is noticeably worse for Yes. Uh, but the, yeah. but according to Jonathan great. West, the director, he shot the episode as if it were 1967 with lens choice and lighting technique to give the Aww. episode a 60s yes. look. He used a slower speed film stock with finer grain and different color saturation instead of the faster film stock used for the 24th century scenes. The former more closely matching the stock that TOS would have used, and and that's like a massive like piece of attention to yeah. do as well. He 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 used. That only on the sixties looking, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So the whole episode doesn't look like that. Only the like, yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a like, like this episode works really well. Not because, um, not just because of all of this production effort. Although I really don't want to understate, understate the production effort, but, but I think the fact that. Um, they they put all of their characters from the modern series in the right places as yes, well. Like they yeah. do. Dax is Dax is perfect as the voice of fandom. Yes. Um and you know, like, you know, there's um Because she's got that and, history with the characters on the station. So yeah. she knows Koloff, you know, she's her like she talks about Emony, her you know, one of yeah. the previous hosts who shagged McCoy. And Terry, Terry Farrell is yeah. such a massive uh, fangirl. She she actually married um Leonard Nimoy's son. Um, really? What? Jazzy yeah, Dax? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my Terry Terry Farrell who oh plays Dax ended up married to um Leonard Nimoy's I think it's Leonard Nimoy's son. I'm gonna have to go like it's it's a relation it's a direct relation of Yeah, his. Adam Nimoy married um, Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Wow, that's so that's, cool. That made that oh. was a bit of a weird spin on the fact that in this episode she calls Spark really handsome. It's like <laughs> you <laughs> you want to shag his dad, you just want to shag his dad. Another really lovely attention to detail bit that I found, um, and I noticed it when we when I was watching the sh- the episode, and then I went and looked on Memory Alpha to see if I was right, and it is a specific thing. So there's a uh, there's a scene where you, you know the bit where Kirk sits on the tribble yes, in the captain's squeaks. chair, <laughs> like yeah, a whoopee mm. cushion. And in that scene, they he he looks up and then looks at. at and in the original episode, I think it was just a random ensign who yeah. sat in the background. Um, but they've replaced that ensign with uh, Dax in this one. And so he gives her, he looks in that direction. And then mm. Dax gives a sort of like slight kind of direct eye contact look at 
Kirk and a little bit of a sort of wry smile, uh, like. But then I read on Memory Alpha when they were directing it, the director said to uh, the actor who plays Jadzia Dax, like it has to be a really really slight look and and a really slight little glance at Kirk, because if it's anything more than that. I just don't think that anyone will believe that Kirk wouldn't have noticed such a beautiful person and <laughs> wouldn't have immediately gone over and started Stop trying to with flirt her. with her. So, like, you've got to try and keep it as as oh. small and understated as possible That's because amazing. there's no way Kirk and, and wouldn't that, do that. And that scene took like twelve takes or something because it's so it was such a hard like that was the hardest one to. You do right. all the timing and make it work. But that interaction right, is perfect. A... Like she gives this little shrug and smile, like, what are you gonna do? They're everywhere. And he's like <laughs> and he looks back like, oh fuck's sake. And it's like And you do like like even though I watched the episode last week where I know all of this is sock footage, when you get moments like um Cisco handing the duty roster over, which I think is taken from a slightly different episode. It's from Mirror anyway. Mirror. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then you get like Miles O'Brien, and he's like, "No, sir, I don't know, sir, I don't." And then Kurt goes, "I don't know, sir." And just <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, it feels like they're talking to each other. It feels like they're there. It really I does. Feel like uh, yeah, and like I said about and and as well, like the other thing about all the cast being in the right place. I love the like banter and fun that the characters are having alongside yes. their their yeah, act. Yeah, like yeah. like when when uh, Miles and Julian come in the fucking and, chuckle like, brothers that they are yeah and, and <laughs> Odo and Wolf are like chuckle. sat at the bar yeah sat at the bar and they go oh clearly we've been doing all of this investigating wrong we have reason to believe and the two like serious security people go we have reason to believe our David will return here Oh, of course you do. <laughs> well, we'll just sit at the bar and wait for him to come to oh us. <laughs> Which turns out to be exactly what happens and exactly yeah. how they catch him. Oh, yeah. It makes it doubly funny. It, that's my theory about most jobs as well. It's like, just sit at a bar and eventually everything will work out okay. <laughs> but, um, Is that how you do I, I your look- comedy sets? Everyone's like, yep. Jake Donaldson! <laughs> and then you're just at the back of your own set. In the back of your own audience. <laughs> I, I, have, I have done that before. <laughs> I, I was about to say, I've seen Jake do that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, um, I've made... Uh, I once did a gig where I made the entire audience turn around in their chairs so I could stand at the bar and do the gig instead of being oh. on stage. Because um, <laughs> I thought it would be funny. It is um. such a wanky thing to do. Um, oh. I love in this episode that even... In the 23rd century, where everything is like two centuries older and less technologically advanced, Miles O'Brien is still a massive wet lettuce and has <laughs> no idea what he's doing oh and can't get anything right oh and fucks God. everything up all the time. Oh and like, Bless you're supposed to be a really talented engineer 200 years in the future when technology has gotten much more complicated, presumably. How can you not manage to do? To, how how, could, how do you like? How do you fiddle with this? He fiddles with something in a wall, and all the lights go off. That's like if you, but like if you got an electrician today to go and like I've got a friend who is an electrician who does the electrics in old houses from a hundred years ago. Like it's not, it's not stu- like just because they're different to modern houses doesn't mean that he can't do them. Like, Head just because they're Miles old. Head no idea what he's doing. They just keep him around because he's funny. I think that's what they do. I think oh. he's. I think they're all bullying well, Miles. Miles. In Miles' defence, his great skill is generally improvising. Like, they talk about on Deep Space Nine why the reason he's a good engineer for that job is that he can make Cardassian, Bajoran, and Federation technology play nicely together, but it's not always holding up and needs constant repair. Like, but he can't he fix a fucking light it, switch. It, yeah, but <laughs> what he does is jury rig everything. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, like nothing on DS Nine is working for very long, and um, it's only because O'Brien is round that anything works long enough to get anything done. Like, <laughs> Good for well, Miles. we do. We, we do know it, it. We do know from. Lower decks that it is it is canon now that Miles O'Brien is remembered as a great <laughs> hero 
in the future and has a statue built of him. I so, think Miles is actually much has much more in common with you, Jake, than you might like to admit or want to fuck believe. Off. <laughs> First of what? all, the fact that he's enormously face blind and definitely visually impaired <laughs> because Scotty and two random ensigns come into the cafeteria and he's got no idea. And Miles is like, "Look, it's Kirk! It's Kirk!" Like, no, well, it's not you, you say that you say that that he's like me for that reason for not being able to see it. But when that when that scene happened, and he said, "There's Kirk, that's Kirk," I was like, "Is this? Ah! I didn't think that was Kirk." And so I didn't get that it was a joke at first because I thought my own eyesight problems had caused me to misunderstand you what was happening Miles in that O'Brien. scene. You are Miles O'Brien. <laughs> Uh, you know what, actually? I'm quite happy to be Miles O'Brien. That's wonderful. That makes me really happy. My headcanon is that Miles O'Brien, because he's an engineer, and engineers are notoriously just obsessed with engineering, my headcanon is that he actually just straight up thinks that Kirk was just one of the engineers. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Captain, what? No, no. Kirk was a very important, powerful engineer (laughs) on the Enterprise. (laughs) I I laughed more times during this episode than I think I've ever laughed at an episode of Star Trek ever in my entire life. I actually yeah, I was I like hysterically well. laughing every two minutes because the gags just kept coming. It was like a constant roll of gags. Every single scene and interaction was funny. Like the temporal agents, I mean, for starters, they were absolutely hilarious. When they come in and, sit, <laughs> and, and Kira's like, I bet you guys are always on time. And they're just like, <laughs> give her a death glare. And she and she and Dax look at each other like, ooh, touchy. And then when they're like, I hope it's not a time loop. We hate those. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, Cisco says, "Well, it might take time to explain." And they're like, "Is that a joke?" No, good because we hate those too. <laughs> <laughs> so Do you want to know a fun fact about the time agents? Uh, a fun Go fact on. about the time agents: their names are Dulma and Luxley. Uh, which are both anagrams of Mulder and Scully from the X Files. <gasps> yeah, that's so good. <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. Oh, they're very funny. I love that. And I love how they just get increasingly fed up as time goes on. When they're like, "Ugh, Kirk, hate that man. What a menace! <laughs> Seventeen temporal violations." And then when Cisco's like, "Well, they can't have altered the timeline because we would have been the first one to notice when we got back," and they're like, "Why do they always have to say that?" <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel bad about um like uh, for the temporal like investigation people like they they have a really like annoying job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well that, I suppose they're a bit like kind of like tax inspectors or yes, like auditors. benefits inspectors or something like that. Yeah, they are they're, they're basically like the EY of uh, of space. Um and, uh, yeah, I, I imagine everyone hates them, and like people are like, "Oh, mate, why do you have to come and ask us?" But I think they're basically like the people who who come and have a go at you for not having TV license. They're like, "Come on, who's who's it actually hurting me going back in time and bringing back all these tribbles? Who's it actually causing a problem yeah, for?" Yeah, everyone like, else gets to have a great time and like go back in time and have hijinks and adventures, and then they just get to like clear up the mess. So that's yeah. why they're so grumpy. This- this episode does reinforce, though, that um, I think um, humans are the stupidest race in Star Trek. <laughs> because Stupider than so, triples. Yeah, so, right. No, because the start of this episode is that Cardassia is giving an orb of time back to, to like... Yes. Oh, you mean a Bajoran and Infinity Stone? <laughs> yeah, given back right. the time. They already so had the mind stone. No. They had the wisdom stone. They had the spirit stone, and now it's time to give back the. So the in the like politi- in the politics of Deep Space Nine, these sacred artifacts have been nicked by Thanos by by <laughs> uh, by, by Thanos. the Cardassians, <laughs> and like Thanos does look like a but, Cardassian, but. So exactly, the, and the Cardassians very recently were attacked by Klingons to the extent that, like, the Federation had to harbor their ruling council to avoid the, their democratic government um, to, like, avoid a problem and protect them. Like, they were really on the back foot. So the Cardassians, this like ruthless like enemy race, the Kree Empire. Yep, carry on. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did not touch the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, the stone of time that can like move through time um, at any point. Like they weren't like, oh well, we could go back in time to before the Klingons launched the surprise attack and surprise attack them first, or like you know we could go back in time before we lost the war with the Federation and win it and like what have you. Whereas humans are immediately like, yep, yeah, well, <laughs> play with this. They couldn't use it because Tilda like, Swinton had it in her necklace the whole time in the pool. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop now. <laughs> Nathan looks uh, like he's had enough. <laughs> so, like, but just like my point is that, like, the Cardassians had this orb for so, so long and didn't use it at one point, at any point, and clearly knew what it was. Whereas, because, like, if they didn't know what it was, how did Arn Darwin find out? Um, and I know he's, like, Klingon, but, you know, go with me on this. The Klingon Empire, like, is one renegade that uses this. Uh, humanity has to have an entire department dedicated to checking it um, <laughs> like and they're like they're, their biggest like space hero hero of space has 17 violations on record <laughs> like clearly humans are like the idiots that will poke anything like the re- the reason like uh, the federation is doing so well is because it's got humanity at the heart of it being dumb fucks and investigating every like negative space wedgie wormhole <laughs> temporal like accident explosive device and then like after human like humans like die in in the thousands and then and then like they discover some technology that actually fucking works and the rest of the galaxy has to play catch up. Like that's why humanity has agreed to give up cloaking devices. Cause can you imagine if these fuckers like who are prepared to do time travel and use wormholes and all of that <laughs> could do that invisibly? Like... I mean it is one hundred percent canon that that is how humans work in Star Trek and definitely could, <laughs> because there's that TOS episode where they get captured and there's the big red button. <laughs> and, yeah. and the and, and the guy Guys are like, don't touch the button, Captain. Don't touch it. And he just makes eye contact with them and then really slowly touches the button and electrocutes himself. <laughs> so Kirk 100% did all of his temporal violations by just poking the poking the time stone and thus being like, wah, wah. oh, um, wonderful. Um, I, uh, I, I want to talk at length about... Uh, the hilarity that is, as I said, Tweedledum and Tweedledee of Miles and Julian in this episode, because every <laughs> scene they were in was hysterical. Like, every single scene was comedy gold all the way through. Now, at the start, where Worf gets insulted by Barry, which, by the way, that is a terrible <laughs> that is a terrible name for a spy. Like an evil spy. Ooh, the great Barry. <laughs> Buzzer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine if, like, can you imagine if MI5 or like James Bond on his next mission had to had to hunt down just some renegade <laughs> spy, but they were just called Barry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his rogues gallery. It's Blofeld, Oddjob, Jaws, and Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Barry insults Wolf, and then and then Bashir, without even missing a beat, is like, "I quite like how you smell, Wolf." Which, you know, big buy energy from Julian as normal. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. Miles, like, has to cover for him by turning it into a joke. And they're like, ah, oh, yes, a sort of peaty smell. And Julian's like, with a touch of lilac. Which I think, <laughs> headcanon, is just entirely accurate to how Worf smells. That's just like yeah, the soap he so. uses. And he was obviously very flustered by that. But then they get stuck in the turbo lift and they don't know how to use it. And Miles is just standing around with his big gammon of a face looking at the walls <laughs> being like, Deck five! Deck five! <laughs> Why aren't we going anywhere? <laughs> Deck five. And then Julian tries to become his own granddad by having sex with his own great grandmother. Like, I just, it just can't. He's so. Like, Back to the Future. He's such a disaster. Like, Julian is an absolute mess. Oh well, my God. And then I, I laugh so hard. When he starts having a panic attack about how he's going to have to, like, now that he's met the woman who may or may not be his great grandmother because they have the same name. He then goes from that to saying, if he doesn't have sex with this woman right here and now on this station, he will never have existed. Like Marty McFly, he's going to slowly fade out. Miles is like, give me strength. Like dragging him away. Like, no. Well, there's also that that immortal line that he says where um, 
when they're, they're first putting on the costumes or the uniforms, the old uniforms. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about this period of history. Yeah. And then Jadzia turns up looking fit as fuck in the, the old school yeah. um, uniform. And then Julian like gets goo-goo eyes like a cartoon character popping yeah. out of his head and goes... I think I'm gonna like history. Oh, he's so and You're exhausting. like, oh, you little <laughs> weird shit. He's such a little shit. <laughs> My favorite moment, though, of everything they do in this episode, even more favorite than Miles <laughs> thinking a random engineering ensign is Captain Kirk, is when they're <laughs> getting involved in the fight and all of these Klingons, like Chekhov's, like getting thrown over a table. There's this amazing scene where a chair. Someone throws a chair at Miles's head, and he, like <laughs> this chair like flies past him, and he just follows it as it goes, and you hear it smash <coughs> in the background. And I just I, there's something about the way that it was filmed, obviously for comedy comedic effect. It's just absolutely hilarious when this chair comes flying at him. But I loved it. <laughs> I I I could not get enough of Miles and Barry and Paul Chuckle stuck in a turbo lift. <laughs> you know, like to me, to you, to me, to you. Ah, so wonderful. Would you like to know a fun story from behind the scenes of the the creation of this episode that I found on good uh, your friend of mine, Memory Alpha? Um, yeah, go on then. Right, so Charlie Brill, the actor who plays uh, Arne Darwin, it, it's the same Brill. actor. <laughs> Charlie Brill uh, is, is, as far as I can tell, the same actor from the original TOS episode who uh, plays him. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, he is. As, he is the same person. Uh, yeah, and so the writers of the episode before they were when they were still trying to come up with ideas and and they were working out how they were going to do it um they'd all gone out for uh for dinner together to this pizza place in oh yes i love this it's a great story right so they'd all gone for dinner in this pizza place uh in la somewhere and they were talking and chatting about what they thought they might want to do and they were going to maybe bring back characters or what are they going to do with it and then they started talking about oh maybe we could we could contact charlie brill and get Arn Darwin to come back for this episode and then just as they were talking about it they looked up and standing at the the counter in the cafe or pizza place or whatever was the actor Charlie Brill that they were just talking about standing there with his wife and they pulled up the the courage to go and talk to him because they were a they were a bit like, oh, do we talk about this? Because like Hollywood stars and making arrangements with them can be really complicated and maybe it's not worth it. But they, they did talk to him and he was like, oh, yeah, no, I really love the idea. And I think Gene Roddenberry would be really happy with it. And like, yeah, and he gave them this the, the sort of go ahead to, to do it. And then in an interview later on, um, the, the writer Bear, I can't remember his first name, but um, he uh, <laughs> he said something along the lines of... Yeah, he said something along the lines of uh, like, "Oh, uh, I think God must be a DS9 fan." <laughs> he, put, he put that he put him in that position, and he was like, oh, "I'm just glad we didn't go for Chinese food." And like, <laughs> but I think that's such a good story that's that amazing. they this fairly like, obscure actor yeah. who you're not really like. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He's been in a lot of other things, but he just happened to be in the exact same pizza place that they were at when they were thinking world. about that exact episode and that exact character. So weird, but I love that story, and I thought I thought that was worth sharing. My favorite production <laughs> thing, which not behind the scenes, but just in the episode, is the fact that they create an in-character explanation, which they don't deign to reveal to us here, as to why the Klingons look totally yes. different. I thought they were going to gloss over it. I thought they were going to be. Well, they considered glossing over it, and then they like went back and forth on different options. They considered at one point having Worf, when he appears on the station, be <gasps> Michael uh, Dawn. That would have been incredible. Oh, I, I would have loved to have seen that. So, what is the yeah. what's the in-world explanation for why Klingons used to it's be an augment virus? So, Enterprise, Enter, uh, as with a lot of things, Enterprise buggers all of this up. Uh, great, great <laughs> um, Enterprise. So, well, they used to be like, like a racialized caricature. Uh, and they used to be like, and now they're big meaty-headed orcs. Where something happened in the middle. Yeah. So basically, they um, they uh, there's like an augment virus. So you know, like how we have the augments that um, in the cool good episode that of Enterprise we've yeah. watched. Yes. Um, they. 
they like the Klingons had a similar thing and it goes really wrong and that removes like the ridges from a generation or so of of Klingons because you obviously you get then get cranial ridges back yeah. by the TOS film so it's literally just the like five to seven year mission of um, of Kirk where it's really a thing and Discovery's like tries to do a midpoint, which is why their Klingons look slightly odd, where they've got, like, half a ridge. Uh, I never realised so, yeah, that. like, it's an augment virus that starts in Enterprise, and progressively Klingon society loses the ridges until they, like, kind of get a cure, and then it comes back naturally as part of their genetic coding. Wow. Which is an okay yeah, explanation, like but, but, like, the problem is, idea good, all execution of it terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm like afraid to say. Like, in a nutshell, then. Yeah, yeah. Enterprise Actually, is dog no, that's, shit. that's wrong because Enterprise ideas are also bad. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they make a mess of it. At one point, like another idea they had that ended up being explored a bit in some expanded universe before Enterprise came out was that um, there were two different casts of Klingons the rich having and the rich have not. Oh, God, and the that's. Casts changed prominence over time and stuff like i don't know but yeah so so that's kind of what happened um very interesting uh, and i actually that's i thought it was going to be like oh they all used to look like they all used to look like somebody doing like a tos version of blackface but but and that's how they used to be and then they all got the virus and got ridgy but it's better the other way around that actually they used to they are yeah. ridgy and then just those are like the weak beta male klingons that all kind of got humanified um and probably have to live in shame for their entire lives until they grow their ridges back i prefer it that way i love fantastic um uh, i have uh questions about the uh the ridgeless klingons um first of all i like Maddie's use of the phrase uh, "getting ridgy" earlier, Get ridgy with which it. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It just sounds like a cool kind of like if Will Smith was in Star Trek, he'd be a Klingon, I think, and would be like a Klingon rapper. So I, I suggest that we add uh, sexy Klingon uh, Will Smith to our uh, our growing roster of Star Trek musicians. We need to have a different. Um, a different uh what do you call it epithet though because we've had a uh, we've had new um, we've got sexy Vulcan, George Michael we've got sexy Vulcan, sexy Liam, Vulcan Gallagher, Liam Gallagher um, um fuckable Romulan shaggable Romulan Phil Collins so yeah, we could okay. have like we could have uh we could have like <laughs> what about just just Ridgy <laughs> Ridgy rapper Ridgy. Ridgy Klingon Will Smith yeah Ridgy Klingon rapper Will Smith is I'd it, totally I, I, get down with that that sounds excellent <laughs> I um, love Will Smith so much. The the Ash Prince. That would be what he would be. Oh, yes. Um no, but uh my my question was gonna be the ridgeless Klingons in the and I don't I can't believe Black would be a very different film if uh, Will Smith was a Klingon. <laughs> yeah. Rather than like protecting all like you have disgraced the honor of Earth. When, I yeah, would love to watch that. When they bring out like yeah. the memory flashy thing, Will Smith would be like, No need for this! Smack! Punch him in the face! Now they have forgotten everything! What about other films that he was in, though? What? What? Can you imagine Independence Day if he was a Klingon? He'd just be like, let them come. Let them destroy the planet. I don't care. Yeah. Or like, I am legend. The vampires would all like, jump out and he'd be like, yes! Yes! Fight me! And I shall defeat you and regain my honour! Or like, or like the pursuit of happiness, and he's just like, he's like, happiness is not something to pursue. <laughs> I, yeah, I robot. He just smashes the robot, and that, that's the end of the film. Um, <laughs> he, just, like, he just puts his fist through the supercomputer in the first five minutes. No, no computer shall have control over the Klingon race. <laughs> the end. <laughs> to be fair, I would love to watch a version of The Fresh Prince where Will Smith is a Klingon in it, though. <laughs> like, and where this is a story name? all about how the nine hunters <laughs> were turned upside down. <laughs> my mother tried to send me away to my aunt's and uncle's house, but I refused because that would bring dishonor upon the house. <laughs> 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 West Philadelphia, born and raised, shooting some people outside of the school. <laughs> um, the um, 
the the point I was going to ask about Ridgeless, Ridgeless Klingons was that um, I was Kronos, do... born and raised, the battleground. I spent most of my days <laughs> killing out Max and relaxing all cool. <laughs> um, now the the question that I wanted to ask about Ridgeless Klingons, and I can't believe I didn't ask this la- last week. Do the Ridgeless Klingons also have two dicks? Ooh. No, because... head cannon because they could become puny humans. They just their, well, their like my, second dick just shrivels up. That's my consider. I I didn't know whether or not they just look like normal humans, but then still had two massive dicks in their pants. Because if that's the case, like they would could make a killing in like the porn industry on on Earth. Like no one knows that they're Klingons, but they've got two dicks. I feel like that would like, also. That would also bring dishonor upon many houses. Actually, no, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Do you think Klingons do slot shaming, or would they think that that was? Like do you think an there? Do you think there are? There's. Cl- I don't know. I wonder if there's Klingon porn though. Do you think shooting some X-rated films outside of the school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't think like. Um, Klingon Klingons are naturally like small C conservative as a race. I would say at least yeah. in in the. In the TNG time period, they yeah. are, but their like traditions are so like hardcore and already pretty liberal. Like, <laughs> like Klingon sex every time it is depicted, the sex between Wolf and, and Dax is violent as, as as all fuck. Like, you know, <laughs> Bashir has to ask them to stop breaking ribs so frequently. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's what happens, and neither of them seem bothered by it. Their doctor just advised them to maybe go at it a bit less. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, so I feel like, like Klingon porn would be sort of a borderline snuff film in on Earth, or or it'd be like super like Jane Austen romantic, like <laughs> yeah, the complete opposite know. of actual porn. <laughs> yeah. And then there's that line in TNG going like. Um, uh, like it's like, um, so the um, like Wesley is like, so you want me to scream at her? You do not scream. The woman screams <laughs> and throws heavy objects. The man leaves. Um, uh, reads love poetry. There is also a lot of ducking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Klingon sex Which I just... would just be like. So, like, if we're going with the Will Smith theme, it would be like Shark Tale crossed with, <laughs> yeah, the Wild Wild West. So it would just be sharks with guns shooting each other, but having like an orgy that ends in just everyone dying. That's uh, the on best. Mm. Well, the, the I the best Will Smith film to have him turn into a Klingon in would be Hitch. Because like mm-hmm. it's about trying to get a couple together. It would be such together. a good comedy. It would be so good if every time exactly. he was giving dating advice, he was just like, "You <laughs> pathetic! <laughs> Why do you not buy her more flowers?" And then just flips the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I imagine that's it. It would basically just turn into a film about those awful uh, pickup artists. Like, I think that's what no, Kling- Klingon Will Smith would be a basically no, pickup artist. He'd be a great pickup artist. He wouldn't be, like, one of those really misogynistic ones. He'd be, like, a genuinely excellent, like, relationship planner. You know, those people that do couple matching and stuff. He'd be great, but just really aggressive <laughs> and shouty. What? He'd be, like, the super nanny of relationship <laughs> matchmaking. Oh, he'd can be you like, this is an absolute shit show. Don't worry, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, can you imagine what he'd be like as in a as like a super nanny character? What what a Klingon would be like? But we've we've essentially seen what that is like in the episode that we watched a few weeks ago. That was horrendous. Yeah, new ground. Um, one there. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to wind up soon because uh, we're nearly we're nearly done. What, what were your and. I... I hesitate to say this, but what were your problems with it? Because you said you had some. Only a few. So I'm going to I'm going to allow you to speak. Okay. Uh, my my only issues with it were um, some that we've already discussed, like the sort of slightly dodgy um, effects in some of the scenes where it, it looked a little bit less convincing than the others. Um, mm. But I. Thought that there was the the sort of needless sexualization of Jadzia Dax uh, 
Yeah, that was some did, strong did, Berman vibes coming through in that that little yeah, moment. And to some extent, but that is I, like I, what I couldn't. I, I'm tell. not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you too much, mm-hmm. but it is also quite an established part of her character. Now that may itself be said. Yes, yeah. But it's not like it's not the same as like when there's this random moment where like Troy is suddenly like breast shot or naked. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, well, like I think, and I think also. It, Part of me was like, oh, have they done this as as a nod to the way that mm. that the old series was like that, and they're trying to sort of be like, you know, a bit kind of self referential about it. But I I still felt like it was kind of, and that line that I mentioned before that that Bashir says about it just seemed sort of like, yeah, well, you know, what... I, early, I, I earlier re- referred to this as being a bit like a carry on film, and and like that yeah. that was the sort of most carry on esque bit of it. And look, I don't have a problem with the carry-on films. My girlfriend really likes them. She's made me watch a few of them recently. They're not my cup of tea. But, like, you know, they serve a purpose. Um, but yes, that and... line made it seedy. When when Jadzia yeah, said exactly. the woman wore saying. less, that was funny and self-referential. And then Jadzia yes. was looking flirty and cute and, and showing off because she was like, ooh, look at yeah. this cute dress I have to wear. Yeah, then yes, Julian's Julian makes that, problem. you know, yes. sort of seedy, misogynistic comment. Um, and it's just like shut the fuck up, Julian. And that's it's like they're trying to have the cake and eat it. So I agree with you, Jake. They just, Julian, just just shut up, Julian. Go back to flirting. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. That was basically my only issue with it as an episode. Like I thought, the rest of it was really good. I thought um, I I really loved the scene at the end where uh, where Cisco <laughs> meets Kirk and and yeah. they. I, I thought that it looked great, and I thought it was. It was just a really nice way to to yeah. end, and it's the first it's the first time that I've really enjoyed something that Cisco's done as well. So, I've just my brain has just done like I've just had a galaxy brain moment. Okay, this is like further okay. evidence for the fact that Jim Kirk is a massive like intergalactic pansexual, right? Because in the episode that that's taken from Mirror Mirror, Kirk uh-huh. has that exchange with the lieutenant who gives him the duty roster because yes, she Moreau. is. Yes, because she's the woman that he was in love with and who was his concubine in the Mirror yes. Universe. So the look that he is giving Ben Sisko is the look of, we've shagged and I know you're <laughs> really good in bed and I kind of want to shag you again. And I'm thinking about whether we should maybe take it on to this universe as well. That is the look <laughs> that canonically, canonically, Rick Berman made Will Shatner give to Ben Sisko. So fuck you. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> yeah, so we have we have canonical confirmed, evidence. Canonical that evidence that Jim Jimbo queer. Kirk is actually bisexual. There, I rest Excellent. my case. And that's properly bisexual, not bisexual in the same way as, as a triple. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that too. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, the triples. I, I. I. The triples in this episode. I. They're so funny. The fact that. <laughs> They decided the evil plot that Darwin had to kill Kirk was to put a bomb <laughs> inside of a triple. Now, if you had like got a you got a primary school class, let's say maybe reception, so they're about four years old, and you were like, right, class. So what would if you had to kill someone and you had to assassinate them? How would you assa- if you had to assassinate Miss? How would you kill Miss? And they'd be like, I put a bomb inside my teddy bear and then I throw it at your head, Miss. That's literally what the Klingon spies done. That was his plan. <laughs> to be fair, that is what I think a Klingon who was teaching a reception class would be like. <laughs> your next assignment is to assassinate, sir. <laughs> the deputy principal cannot leave this classroom. If he leaves this classroom, <laughs> you will all be whipped. <laughs> you must kill him before he exits the building. It's like how um how do you know this fact about like Spartan schools and stealing, oh, cheating, and yes, lying? And, yes, and, and they'd like abandon them yeah. to go and like sleep on nettles. And well, yeah. So stealing, cheating, and lying were fine. What you were punished for is getting caught doing <laughs> those things. Fantastic. Um, and the ominous slow zoom shots towards the triples when you know that one of them is a bomb and then it's like slowly zooming into these cute woolly creatures. That whole shot is so oh, silly. So I, I, I laugh so hard. And then the best of all, the crowning moment of glory when they beam the triple into space and the slow mo triple floating through space and then it explodes. I also. I also love the fact that they put in an explanation for why all of the extra tribbles keep falling on Kirk's head and like. Oh wait, uh, yeah. did they? But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, each, if you watch, 
Cisco or Dax will pick up one and it will cut <laughs> and then the next shot is um is is that same colour triple landing oh on Kirk. So yeah. they're throwing it down. That is so yeah. wonderful. That is absolutely yeah. wonderful. So it's them tossing away the triples. I also love the fact that these are living creatures, but Cisco and Dax are just chucking them over their shoulders. <laughs> like they're just well, socks they're all already they're... dead because they've at the poison grain. Oh, of course. Remember, like, yeah, of course. Okay, I feel less bad about that then. Oh, bless them. They're um, probably bouncy as well. You know, if you threw a head jog at that's the wall, true. it'd probably bounce off, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. A head cannon. Tribbles are like cats and they always land on their feet, even though they don't have feet. But like, <laughs> but that that's like a that's my head cannon. Is that like that's a saying in space? Is tribbles always land on their feet? Um, <laughs> Apart and also tribbles are the mortal enemy of the Klingon Empire. <laughs> I did love that. So funny! Oh, that was um, wonderful. Look, before we we end, we've got important questions to answer as always. Um, and this is I can't believe it the fiftieth time I'm going to ask this question. Wow! Because it's this is episode fifty. This is our fiftieth um, exciting ca- exciting times episode fifty guys. Um, for the fiftieth time, then, which character in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck his own cock? Aunt Darwin, maybe. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Aunt Darwin. Also, I still think it's Serrano whenever... Jones though, because he was yeah. back. With his, like, Serrano Jones only very his many pocketed coat, which, by the way, started a fashion trend because Worf and Odo were wearing the exact same, <laughs> true. ludicrous. Like, and we decided that was some kind of chaotic bisexual like fashion trend setting <laughs> in the last episode. So this is all just adding to the queer vibes that for some yeah. reason Worf is dressed like you know he's like one of those men that goes to like hunt rabbits, just like at the back <laughs> like of the Elmer estate. Ford. But like, but he's dressed like in full khakis, as though he's going to Afghan or something. That's what Worf looked like. But you know, he's just yeah. like going to find a rabbit with his with his pit bull. Yeah, like the equivalent of a full kit wanker who goes to a football game wearing like <laughs> shorts and boots and that. Um, I, I I'm tempted to go with uh, <gasps> the temporal agents. Yeah, well, I, that's what I was going to oh, say. The it has to be the temporal yeah. agents. Which one? Yeah. Which one? Well, no, I feel like them. I feel like that. Yeah, they're so d- they're in a relationship. I'm convinced of that. Well, yeah. Oh, like... yeah. Obviously, but like, but that's my thing about them is though they're so reserved and like conservative people that they would never think to suck each other's cocks. So they only <laughs> ever try to suck their own. <laughs> that's amazing. That's um, amazing. I really that's like my theory. That. I think it's specifically Dolma though because he had like a bit of a weirder. He had a bit of a weirder vibe. Um, Dolman yeah. was kind of the one that sat. Oh no, sorry, I'm the wrong one. Luxy, it Luxley is the one that I think sucked his own. Okay, fair enough. Dol- Dolman was a bit more friendly and was like, "Oh yeah, you won't be in trouble. You can get off fine." But but Gareth <laughs> Luxley just sort of stared at them like, "Hmm." Okay, fine. You will not be getting off. You fine. will not be getting off <laughs> fine, and I'm very annoyed because no one's sucking my cock. Oh my god, exactly. even better because they can go back in time. So they don't even have to bend over. He can go back he can go back in time. <laughs> in time and, and suck, suck his own. Oh my god. Yes. Oh, oh my god. god. End it? the episode now. How... Jesus. That has to be it, yeah. He goes back in time and sucks a younger version of himself's cock. <laughs> no, no, just five minutes ago. And then he can do it again. <laughs> How many people? How many versions of himself can he get in the same room in a line? <laughs> and then do you think he has to fill out like 17 temporal violations? Yeah, maybe that's why they became that these temporal cops, because like that's their punishment for having made so many violations to go back and sort their own cock. They're like, we're going to make you in charge of this now. So you, just, you can see how much of a ball ache this has been. And they know what the disaster is because he's done it before. Like he, When they're like, and you sure nothing came through and, and, and Cisco line because of course all the tribbles actually came through into the future and infested the DS9 and when Spock's like beamed them out he thought he'd beam them into space he just beamed them into DS9 so they they're in the past they've like previously jizzed and then brought all the jizz into the future <laughs> and like okay. caused the mess right look I'm going to move this on now because Nathan looks like he's going to kill himself um <laughs> Finally, but it's just—it's just what it's just. I just my brain would never go there without you. That's the, well, that's why that's the 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 wonderful thing about this podcast is that we all come at it, it from different. <laughs> we all come at it from different points. 
Look, we all come indeed. of it from different time zones. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we've got to ask the Klim question. We've got to ask the Klim question. Who in this episode oh, is yeah, most likely to be Klim, which is Space Karen, if you haven't listened before? Who wants to talk so, to the manager? Yes, and my vote for this would be Odo, uh, because the, he, he tries to order that uh, that drink, the, the Vulcan Coffee, cappuccino yeah. thing. Uh, and they don't, and the, the the waitress doesn't have it, and so he he looks all complainy and annoyed, and he has to order something that he doesn't really want. So I reckon he is more the most likely one out of the, and he's quite grumpy anyway. So I think I feel like he's mm. he's likely to to try and be like, here, come and sort out me. I don't know why I've made him a Geordie, but you why know why not? Well, Odo can be a Geordie. Who sounds like Jess? No, make him Geordie. A Geordie. Odo would be great. Yeah, <laughs> head cannon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, come no, get me my coffee. I can't do a Geordie accent. You'll yeah, have to do Yeah, make us turn into a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> Constable, uh, Constable uh, Odo, will you carry a firearm on duty? E no. <laughs> no, get away. <laughs> uh, like, I came from the wormhole, me. <laughs> Why, I'm on. I've been on this station for years. <laughs> do you want a Gandoon Quarks? <laughs> Just Gandoon. <laughs> I mean, Don't worry, gonna to... I'm Gannon Yem now. <laughs> we're gonna have to end it here, but I, I, I really want to hear more from Geordie Odo as we go on through. Every time we do any more yeah. DS9 episodes, we're gonna hear more from Geordie Odo. Um, Thank but... you to Nathan for saying that I am like Dantia Dax. That's a very flattering comparison, just because we're both horny for Leonard Nimoy. But yeah, I'll take it. Well, you're um in well, if... in my in my Star Trek Online recreation of you two. You are a trill. Oh um, yes, of yeah. course. And like... I actually was wearing the same outfit. The, including the tricorder and everything that she was wearing when I went to Destination Star Trek in 2019. <laughs> I just wanted to say um, a big thank you to all of the listeners uh, who've, whether you've been with us from the start or whether you've only just gotten into the show. Um, I've had some lovely messages recently from people who've just gotten into it. So thank you very much for listening. We started this nearly a year ago and never realised that it would be going strong and be this popular and so we're all I think I speak on behalf of all of us that we're all really grateful that you like this and that you listen to it um, we've got a special we've got a special plan for our 50 second episode because it's a year in um, so uh, we'll we'll talk more about that next week but um, otherwise thank you for listening share it with your friends give us a five star review which we've got a few of now which is exciting um, and uh Live long and prosper, and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.